Good morning. Welcome, everyone, to First Baptist Church. We are so excited to have you here today on this fine summer day. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. I couldn't hear Amen. you. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing together.
start the day off like this, but I, we've got a real problem, and that's his. It's just too full in here. Uh, Amen. It's just, God's just sent too many people today, and I say, welcome to First Baptist Church of Coronado. We're glad to have you here. Go ahead and be seated just for a moment, and if there are seats next to you, would you raise your hands, because there are people standing in the back, so uh, keep them up for just a moment. There are seats available. Scott, where are you? Are you helping find, and Rachel, help people find places, and maybe leave some seats on the aisles. That way, when they wander down here, they don't have to get to the front and turn around and go back and be embarrassed like they're on a runway or something like that. So good to have you all here. Raise your hands one more time if there's a seat by you. People are looking right now. All right, there we go. Great. We do have overflow on the patio if in case uh, we get some more people come in, Gary and Rachel. Uh, we've got the overflow set up out there. So we're glad to, hey, the reason we have such a big crowd today, one reason is because we have a youth group here from First Baptist Church in Nogales, Arizona. Where are you? Raise your hands if you're from Nogales. Let's welcome them. All right, good to have you here. Aaron is their youth leader, and he's the guy with bloodshot eyes. Aaron, where are you? Right over there. Yeah. He's, I want you who are sitting around Aaron to be real quiet. He's trying to get some extra sleep during the sermon today to make up for the last couple of nights. So we're glad to have you. Not only do we have youth here from Nogales, but we also have youth here from the Basque country, uh, over in uh, Europe, and where are the Basque students? Raise your hand right here. Let's welcome them over here, over here, and in the back. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook. We're glad to have you here electronically. We hope you come and will be with us again physically sometime very, very soon. So if you're a first-time guest here, would you please fill out one of our guest cards in the seat back in front of you? You should find a pen and a, and a connection card. Fill out both sides. Now, normally I say if you will fill this out, we'll send you a Starbucks card. However, today, I'm sorry, Nogales, 30 of you. I'm not saying that today, all right? So I'm just putting the cards on the table. They're Baptist cards, so it's okay to put them on the table. But uh, please fill out the card and then take this. And when you get through with it in the offering box to the left of the double doors, go ahead and stick it in there. And uh, we'll have a record of your visit here at First Baptist Church. We're certainly thrilled and honored to have you here. <clears throat> Miss Robin, going to be having surgery this coming Wednesday at Balboa Hospital. So we're going to pray right now for Robin. So would you join me as you bow your heads and pray for Robin. Father, I thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. We're so grateful and thankful that you created us physically in such a way that uh, doctors who don't know us before professionally meeting us are able to fix things that need to be fixed. And Lord, it's because you're the master designer. It's because we're here on purpose and by purpose and with purpose it's not anything that just happened. It's not because we just evolved, but because God made us just so. He can also help with people who can fix things that need to be fixed. So we pray for this disc surgery that it would be completely successful. We pray that her recovery time would be quick. We pray that her pain level would be low or non-existent, and God just take care of her, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and every way we pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said Amen. Amen. God bless you, Robin. We'll be praying for you. All right. Today, uh, how many of you had donuts today? Let me see your hands. I'm preaching on fasting, and uh, you've already messed up, so uh, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Uh, hey, Gary, 
Rachel, come on down here. And Grant and Olivia, come on down here. All right. This was a great day because it's a full house. It's a sad day because this is the last day, at least for a while, that the Gorkin family will be at First Baptist Church. They're moving to uh, a place called that's about 110 degrees called Fredericksburg in Texas, leaving this 64-degree weather, going back there. I'm not sure what the problem is, but... <laughs> But here's what we want to do. First of all, I want you all to know that this family is special here for many, many reasons. One of them is because, Gary, uh, you convinced, you allowed, I should say, your wife to remain in a leadership position here when there was a very difficult time, a time of transition, and, uh, and he was not wanting her to continue to serve, but he went ahead and allowed her to stay along with the Lee family, by the way, very critical decisions that were made there on the parts of those two families, and we appreciate it. In addition, Gary is like VIP master uh, back there. He's, he knows your name. I don't have a clue who you are. <laughs> I most of the time remember my wife's name, but most of you, it's, it's like a problem remembering your names, and you all run together to me, but uh, he's got that all figured out, so he's going to be impossible to replace in that, uh, in that respect. Also, uh, he's just been a great giver. Uh, he's a, he's, that's one of his gifts is giving, and the church will miss him for that respect. And your preacher will miss you because you guys made your preacher and his wife feel very, very special many, many times. Uh, Rachel was on, as I mentioned, made reference to the fact was on the leadership team at a critical time. It was in between when there was a pastor search going on. Uh, you're the first person I met here. When I walked in the doors, I said, uh, is there somebody named Rachel here? You were right down here. And I came down and talked to you. And, uh, and we've had a great friendship and a great uh, working relationship. I appreciate you so very, very much. And God puts you in a position at that point in time to make some incredible decisions. And thank you so much. Grant, this guy here is a special guy. Uh, I love him, man. I love him. He's, uh, he's an unusual young man. In a lot, and I mean that in a good way. I, I mean that in a good way. And because he is a young teenager, sat up there. Uh, right now, where uh, where Noel's sitting, and was very faithful in running sound, running uh, the graphics, and so on. And when he wasn't doing that, he was over here playing the drums. And so he's just very, very faithful. And I appreciate him and Olivia. Oh, by the way, and Grant, I was able to for about a year, uh, once a week, to sit down with him and, and disciple him. And I, I thank God for him. Olivia's our soloist at First Baptist Church. So I don't know how you're going to get back and forth every Sunday, but you're going to have to figure out a way to get back here. And we appreciate you, all of you. So here's what we're going to do. They're leaving this week. When are you leaving, Gary? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we're going to pray for them. Let's stand together. And anybody wants to come on down here, let's get real close. We're family. And this is incredible family right here. And we miss all of us. We've got people in the Navy that leave all the time. Because we kind of expect that, but uh, these are not Navy people. These are just people fleeing California, so, <laughs> which I totally understand, by the way. Since, since I don't have a mic and everybody's kind of close, just to say we, we really benefited way more
I'll never forget, uh, you know, being rallying behind me when I was yeah. on my deathbed. Yeah. Well, you don't Absolutely. Terry, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Pray, Lord, that as they go to Texas, that their light will shine even brighter for you than it has here in Coronado and So, Lord, go with them, use them, bless them. And we pray that you would give them peace and pray for their families. In Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Go with God, my friend. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to mention also uh, Saturday Active Care at Rolling Hills Ranch. I think that's in our eConnect. So if you want to help out with uh, Active Care at Rolling Hills Ranch, be a blessing to some people who maybe um, just don't have a lot of blessings in their lives, uh, be at the Rolling Hills Ranch, 850 Duncan Ranch Road at 950 this coming Saturday morning. Next Sunday, be preaching on another feast, another healing, another sermon. And... Um, I forgot to give this to Gary. Would uh, Gary, I forgot to give this to you, my friend. Uh, also want to mention that I have this video that I want you to see uh, that uh, I, I edited for time and, and content. So uh, you're kind of jumping in the middle of it. But if you saw AGT, you, you saw this guy. But I, I love how he gets to work in the gospel in a secular environment. And if there's something we need to learn how to do, it's how to work the gospel in in secular environments in a way that is not offensive but is, is effectual. So let's go ahead and watch this video together. I just think everybody should love everybody, right? Like, I just really believe in that. And being a musician, man, I got to play for different churches. I grew up and I learned how to play in church, so I got to play for black church and white church. White church is a little more simple. Their Jesus is simple. The chords is simple. The pastor, he gets up, he does his message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Thank you, God. That whosoever believeth in him, you just have to believe, shall not perish but have everlasting life.
and church is over. That is church and white church. It's real simple to the point. Black church, I grew up, is different. You go to church on Sunday, and then when they preach, it's like serious, like, put your hands together for Jesus. He's been too good. Hey, yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hey! I know white people be like, their Jesus is angry. Jesus is very angry. Their Jesus has been through a lot. Thank you so much. I'm very good. God bless. And that, that was amazing to me. A clean comedian who's also a Christian. So many actors, so many famous people start out in church and go astray. Pray for him that he doesn't go astray, that he stays. And, and given the gospel on such a, a national, well, international stage, it was amazing. So someone did you see that. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord.
group of people. Thank you. you. may be seated. And if you would turn, if you have your Bible, how many have your Bibles? Let me see your Bible. Or you've got an electronic device. And you're not looking at the internet on Facebook. You're actually looking at scriptures when I ask you to. Okay. All right. Turn to Mark chapter 2. And while you turn to Mark chapter 2, I'm going to ask all the young ladies and young men of First Baptist Church, come down here just for a minute because I want to teach you a little lesson before you go to your class. So all the young men, young ladies... Come on down here just for a momento, all right? Good-looking group of boys and girls. Thank you so much for being here today. Today in Big Church, I'm going to talk about something that's very, very much one of my favorite things. That's eating food. Do any of you like to eat food? Yes. What do you like to eat? Huh? Salmon. Okay. Yes, sir. Ramen soup and stuff. Yes. All right. Yes, and Okay, good. All right. Well, you know what? Everybody pretty much likes to eat at some time or another, but sometimes there are times when you don't eat because either you don't have food to eat or because you're sick and not feeling good and you don't have an appetite, or maybe you're super, super sad. Maybe something really sad okay. happened and you're not able to eat because you just don't have an appetite. Well, the Bible tells us that God takes care of the birds of the air. He says the sparrows. He takes care of them. And they don't plant seeds, and they don't go harvest the grain, and they don't build barns to put their grain in, but God still supplies them food. And God will supply you food. And so most of the time, he'll supply it by your moms and your dads or your grandparents. Other times, he might supply it by a neighbor who helps out with you with some food. Or maybe some charity sometimes brings something over because you're having a difficult time. But here at First Baptist Church, we have coffee and donuts. 
Huh? How many like donuts? Let me see your hands. All right. But we also have something else for you today, and that's Miss Pat. Had, we're going to be preaching and teaching something about grape juice in the Bible. And so we have some grape juice and we have some apple juice, and we're going to give those to you, and you have the choice when you go up there. But first, let's pray, okay? Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Everyone bow your head. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ who provides all of our needs. He makes sure that we have food to eat. He makes sure that the birds of the air have food to eat as well. So, Father, bless us today as we study your word. Bless the teachers as they teach the word of God to these young ladies and young men, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So stop by Miss Pat and Miss Debbie. They'll give you whatever, either grape juice. Oh, by the way, parents, it's organic, no sugar added, gluten-free. <laughs> Blessed by the preacher. Okay, should be good to go. If your kid's allergic to it, I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Go grab them, intercept them, and take it away from them. All right. A discussion about fasting and feasting. What in the world kind of a sermon is that going to be? Well, you're going to find out. We're talking in our Life of Christ series, which we're, we're talking about chronologically, the things that happen in the life of Christ, trying to line up all of the miracle healing uh, healings, all of the uh, miracles that God performed other than healings, all of the sermons that he preached, all of the events that occurred in his life that are found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in particular. We're trying to line those all up chronologically to the best of our ability to do so. So this takes us, we're in his public ministry now, and it's in April of 31 AD, and he's in Galilee. That has become the center, Capernaum in particular, has become the center of his uh, gospel ministry at this point in time. But he's in Galilee traveling around. So in Mark chapter 2, if you're there, beginning in verse 18, it says, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and this, we believe, was on a specific fast day. There's some dis discrepancy about whether it was a, uh, a day of atonement or a Sabbath or a, a feast day. They're not sure what it was, but they were fasting, the Pharisees were, and John's disciples came, uh, and some people, Matthew identifies them as disciples of John, came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Now, the Pharisees were a religious sect and group of Jews that were uh, very, very austere, very uh, narrow in their belief system, uh, and so they were, and, and they were very arrogant. They thought they were better than everybody else. So they came to Jesus and said, how come your disciples don't fast the way that John's disciples do and the way, or our disciples, and the way that the Pharisees do? Jesus said, here's his answer. It's kind of a different answer. Do the wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now, I want to ask you all a question here. Have you ever been, anybody been to a wedding? Let me see your hands. You've been to a wedding? All right. I mean, okay. How many of you have been to a wedding where they were fasting? Nobody. Absolutely no one. Of course not. In fact, it's not even a legitimate wedding if you don't have cake. <laughs> Any weddings that take place without cake are, are just illegitimate. So you've got to have cake to make it legit. Now, nowadays, I, by the way, if you're going to get married and, 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 and I'm going to be, okay, uh, Brian, I'm not specifically aiming this at you because I have no idea what your plans are. But some, some couples, will, they'll throw on a, a full banquet. 
You know, they, they, they rent a hall and they, they have hors d'oeuvres and they have uh, main courses and they have, you know, salads come out and then the meats. Come. Would you like salmon? Would you like chicken? Would you like, you know, and, and they do all this stuff and, and now they, and it, it's expensive and it's crazy and it takes a lot of time. When Pat and I got married, we had a cake. We cut it. I fed her a piece very nicely. She fed me a piece very nicely. We said, we're out of here, folks. Y'all have fun now. None of this this fooling around. It's like we split the scene. We were out of there. Now have these banquets. It's like they're putting off being alone. What's with that? Matthew chapter 9, Luke chapter 5 are parallel synoptic or similar accounts of what of the questions that John's disciples asked of Jesus. And Jesus answers them, if you notice, with three different illustrations here. First of all, he talked about fasting and weddings. Fasting is defined. What is that? Some of you may not understand uh, the different types of fasting or what fasting really is. It's the practice of abstaining usually from solid food, but it can also include liquids. This could be done as an expression of remorse. Uh, a sadness for doing something. David uh, fasted when his little baby got sick because of his sin with Bathsheba. Um, he didn't want to eat, and he didn't eat for, for a while. Uh, it could be an expression of mourning when they fasted for King Saul and, and his son Jonathan, who were killed in battle. They didn't eat for a while because, and you have, if you've experienced the loss of someone that you love, someone very close to you, my guess is your appetite just wasn't there. You, the food was kind of the last thing you were thinking of. Uh, or it's, maybe some people fast for a spiritual discipline to try to gain uh, God's attention in a specific matter. The New Testament word tra- fasting here in, in Mark chapter 2 literally means one who is not eaten or who is empty. There are three types of fast in, in recognized. Uh, first of all, there's a normal fast in which there's no intake of food for a prescribed period of time. But there may be liquids, uh, water, for example, or in some cases, um, uh, other liquids can be imbibed. Uh, There's a partial fast in which the diet is limited, but some food is allowed, like a juice fast. Uh, People sometimes will juice things and drink that, and that's they consider a fast, and it is a partial fast. And then there's an absolute fast in which there's a total abstinence from food or liquids. And I want you to know something. If it goes more than uh, a couple of days, you get into some touchy area without water. Uh, it, it, there's supernatural fasts in the Word of God that we'll talk about in just a moment. But be very careful about a fast of more than a couple of days that you're not taking in water. Even with not having it for a couple of days, it can be difficult. So in the Old Testament, the fast was regarded as an act of, of self-renunciation, self-humiliation, humbling ourselves to mollify God's wrath and to move him to act in a gracious uh, way in in our needs. In times of emergency, uh, and I've got a whole bunch of verses that I don't have time, obviously, to go into, but in times of emergency, God's people fasted to ask God to intervene. And if you're interested in those list of verses, I'll give them to you. Individuals also fasted in the hope that God would liberate them from trouble, going through some kind of difficulty Uh, needing an answer to prayer. Fasting was to be practiced along with prayer to assure that God would answer. Uh, There's a mournful attitude that goes along with uh, importuning God or asking God, uh, and and it's very important that the prayer, the person giving the prayer, uh, is in the right spirit and the right frame of mind. Regular fast, generally for one day, 24-hour periods. Some of them would start morning, good night, 
A lot of them in the Jewish culture would start 6 o'clock at night and go till 6 the next night. Um, just depended. Mordecai's fast uh, in the book of Esther was a three-day fast. Uh, that was food fast, night and day specified. There's a seven-day fast ordered by King David when Saul died. Uh, and then Moses. Let me tell you about Moses. Moses went up on the Mount Sinai, and Moses fasted not for one day, not for three days, not for seven days. He had total fast for 40 days. That is way beyond. That's supernatural fasting. Nobody can do that and live. Nobody can do a 40-day total fast without food or water. No one can. People can go without food sometimes uh, 30, 40 days, sometimes more when the IRA, IRA um, situation in, in Europe was going on. Some of those guys fasted till they died at 40-some days. I can't remember the longest, but I think it was like 47, 48 days uh, without food. But they had to have water. Uh, because you, water, you've got to replenish. So he had a 40-day supernatural fast. And then he came down, and the children of Israel had worshipped idols, and he broke the idols and ground up the gold that the, made up the idols and put it in the water. Guess what happens when you grind it up just right and mix it with water, gold? You have a colloidal suspension. You chemists, check it out. You have a colloidal suspension of the gold in the water that turns the water red in appearance. So it's a type of the blood. You don't get that from just reading it. You have to do some uh, studying to figure that out. But check it out. Um, so then he, after he had the people drink of this colloidal suspension, uh, then he went back up on the mountain and fasted 40 more days, 80 days worth of fasting, total fast. That is the longest one in the Word of God and, and is not possible by normal people. Now, in general, in the Old Testament, fasting became abused. The principle and practice of fasting became uh, abused. It became an, an externalizing thing, a, a ritual thing. It became uh, a, like a pretense of piety. Look at me. In fact, the Pharisees said, uh, we fast twice in a week. So we fast twice a week. We are so godly. We are so spiritual. We're so amazing. We fast twice a week. And, and it became the representation of a public uh, image of of uh, how great we are in spite of their callousness uh, and their lack of piety. And that caused God to say, though they fast, I will not hear their cry. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. But look, when the groom was there at the wedding, it's not a time for fasting. But when the groom was gone, then Jesus said would come a time of fasting. Why is fasting important? To gain the attention and approval of God, denying our fleshly cravings that we might, uh, we might cause the spiritual to become stronger, to, to get God's approval to focus on prayer or problems or a season of mourning. When should fasting take place? When God prompts us to do it, through circumstances, through the leadings of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus mean when he said weddings are not good times for fasting? Well, weddings were times for feasting. They were time for celebration. They were time, as we mentioned, for cake, not for fasting. In fact, there was a rabbinic rule. One of the, the rabbis made up all kinds of rules. You understand that. It wasn't just the Ten Commandments. It wasn't just the commandments uh, throughout the, the Old Testament. Uh, they made up additional rules, and one of them was all in attendance of the bridegroom are relieved of all religious observances which would lessen their joy. So if it made you not so happy, you didn't have to abide by that rule 
during a, a wedding. So they thought so much of the idea of fasting and, and having joy at a wedding. The Day of Atonement was the only clearly appointed fasting day for Israel. That was the one that was chosen specifically. Eventually, four other annual feasts were added. And as we mentioned, the Pharisees boasted of fasting twice in a week. So Jesus and his disciples return from uh, the wilderness. They come back from being having been baptized by John the Baptist. And here, some of John's disciples reside. And despite his imprisonment and ultimate martyrdom, and so they question him about this. When, why, aren't, why aren't you fasting? Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus did not dismiss fasting. He didn't say, oh, no, we should never fast. He said, when the bridegroom is taken. For the present time, Jesus on the earth, it was a time for feasting and enjoying, not for fasting. So now, the next two illustrations are more than just illustrations. They're parables. Parables are stories that our Lord used relating things that people knew about to things they didn't know about. So when he talked about planting the seed, the, the word of God, remember that? He talked about you, you sow the seed, some of it falls on the path, and it gets walked on, and it doesn't have good ground to grow in. Uh, some of it falls in rocky places, and it can't germinate and grow. Some of it, the fowls of the air come and pluck it away. That was a, a parable uh, teaching them a lesson they didn't understand about the word of God being plucked out of a heart or being pushed to one side or being ignored or whatever, uh, with things they, they, they did understand, like the sowing of seeds. So, so the first parable here is the old and new garments, verse 21. And then, so, so he follows up with, no, it's not a good time to fast at a wedding. That's a time for feasting. Besides, who would patch up old clothing with new cloth? Okay, do people even patch clothing anymore? I don't think so. I see these teenage girls with rips all up and down, and, and I feel sorry. I want to give them an offering or something, you know. <laughs> Bless your heart. Uh, you couldn't get me to wear a pair of those when I was their age. I, 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 but, you know, that's the style, so that's okay. No problem. Uh, but, but who would patch an old clothes? I remember my mom patching jeans so they didn't have the holes in them. And, and it was a real big deal when the iron-on patches came out. I just wish she'd let me take them off before she did the iron-on patch. I just <laughs> always regret that. She says, you, you don't patch old clothing with new cloth. Why? Because the new patch would shrink away from the old and would tear, leaving even a bigger tear than before. And Luke, in his parallel account, says, and the new fabric would be destroyed, as well as the old fabric. So, so this messianic wedding imagery is followed by the two brief parables in the, in the Gospel of Mark. And, uh, and it talks about this patching a cloth sewed on an old garment. So such a fix Jesus said, would not work. So the second parable he gives is in verse 22, the old and new wine. And no one puts new wine, new wine, we've talked about this, sweet, fresh, freshly squeezed juice into, that's why I got organic grape juice, perfect. Uh, sweet, fresh juice into old wineskins. These weren't wineskins. These were aluminum foil that probably has got something bad in them. I don't know. Uh, but they put in old wineskins for the wine or the pressure of fermentation that would take place after time, according to Matthew, would burst the wineskins 
and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Now, here's the thing. What did they put? They didn't have bottles. They didn't have a little aluminum packaging. They didn't have juice boxes for crying out loud. They had uh, wine skins. They had animal skins that they would take, and I don't know how they did it, but they would sew them up, and, and this, this, this skin would become a, uh, a container for, for carrying the, the new wine from place to place and for using it. And so this, the second parable depicts the old used wineskins being filled with new wine that subsequently then ferments and expands and bursts the old and the brittle skins. You know leather, you know how leather is, right? Leather at first is supple and soft and smells so good and feels so good. And then if it, after a long time of exposure to the sun, exposure, just age, and the environment, it can get old and brittle and cracked, and that's the same thing that happens. Uh, and so it, it gets tight uh, as, as the fermentation occurs, and they expand until they finally burst. Both wine and wineskins then come to ruin. So the chief impression of both parables is their finality. The unshrunken patch will pull away. I want you to remember that phrase, will pull away. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. From the old garment, making the tear worse. So this Greek word for pull away is the root word in verse 20, describing the bridegroom being taken away from them. I thought that was interesting. So, uh, so this unshrunken patch will pull away as the bridegroom was taken away from them. Guess what happened after Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again after 40 days. What happened? He was taken away. But guess what? Uh, he was taken away by the crucifixion before that. Then he was taken away after the resurrection by the ascension. So he's gone into heaven. Uh, but guess what? He's coming back again. He's coming back again. So something here, they're teaching something once that was serviceable and destroyed is of no further worth. The new patch and the new wine are incompatible with the old cloth and the old wineskins. And if you try to use and try to combine them, this is key to understanding what I'm going to talk about in a minute. To try to combine the old and the new, it will destroy the old. Both parables are about the relationship of Jesus Christ and of Christianity to traditional Judaism. Traditional Judaism taught the Messiah is going to come. The Savior will come. The kingdom of God will be established on earth. The disciples thought Jesus is the Messiah. They were correct. He's going to establish his kingdom now. They were incorrect. He preached the gospel. People either received him or rejected him. Finally, they crucified him on the cross he was put in the borrowed tomb. He rose again on the third day. He taught and saw disciples several times on several occasions and a group of people over 500 at one time and then was called up into heaven uh, and taken uh, away from them. But he is the fulfillment of Jewish teaching, but he is separate from Jewish teaching. He is the new patch. He is the new wine. He's not an attachment to Judaism. He's not an addition to Judaism. He's not an appendage on the status quo. He cannot be integrated into or contained by pre-existing structures, even those of Judaism or the Torah or the synagogue. He goes to the synagogue, 
But you already know because we've talked about some of the synagogue appearances. He goes to the synagogue and he teaches and he preaches, but he has new teaching according to Mark chapter 1, verse 27. They were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. So he's like the scribes in that he teaches, but he has authority unlike the scribes. In Mark 1, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. He honors the Torah, which is the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. He honors the Torah by sending the healed paralytic to make offering required by Moses and to see, uh, seek out the priest, but he's not bound by the Torah because we'll find out either next week or the week after that that when they came, went, went walking through a field, the disciples were picking uh, grain and were eating it, taking it out of the husks and eating it. And then they, the Pharisees found fault with them for harvesting on the Sabbath day. So he was, he was not bound by, he, he was a fulfillment of the law, but not bound by the law. He subordinates himself uh, to, to, all, to, to so much, and yet he doesn't give up being who he is. Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, physically, man, 100%, spiritually, God, 100%, in a unique combination, a unique, if you like to think of it this way, an alloy, unlike any other alloy there ever was, any other human being there ever was or ever will be, he is the Son of, all, of Almighty God. He, he, he gives himself completely but never surrenders his absolute divine authority and his sovereignty. He, is, he gives himself in service, but he's always faithful and loyal to his Father most of all. He's not a captive of the world. So these two many par- parables and this wedding reference, uh, it, it's not like the disciples will like sewing a new patch on an old garment or refilling an old container, make room for Jesus in their already full agenda and lives. This is a whole new world, folks, with Jesus. He is a whole new way of salvation. He is the promised one. He is the one who died on the cross, paying the price, atoning for your sin and for mine. And so the last point today is Jesus is not an add-on to Judaism. He didn't come to reform it, though it certainly needed to be reformed. He came to revolutionize it. He came to fulfill it. He came to finalize it. Jesus was making the point that the new order and the old order is incompatible and that something new was happening with the coming of the Son of God. It's interesting to note that in each parable, something is destroyed. The cloth is destroyed. The wineskins are destroyed. God doesn't just mend our hearts. He gives us new hearts. I will give you a new heart, Ezekiel 36, 26, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you have met the Savior, if you've been born again, you've got a new heart, not a physical pumping organ that pumps the circulates the blood, but a a new spiritual heart. Taking the heart of stone, cold, dead, impassionate, taking that away and giving you a new and living heart. He gives us a new nature so that we're new creatures in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Joe, we're going to baptize in a little bit. Old things are old. All things become new. The past is, is the past. 
We can't do anything about changing it, but guess what? Jesus died for that. He paid the price for it so that Jesus sees us, and he doesn't see our sins because they've been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. To try to put this kind of life into old legalistic systems is to destroy the new life itself. Paul would later combat the urge of many to add Jesus to everything they were doing to the legalism that Judaism had become, and he does that in the book of Galatians. The whole book of Galatians is written to refute the idea that you can gain heaven by being good. And for 2,000 years, that message has been preached, and still for 2,000 years, people think the way you get to heaven is by being good. You go up and down. We, we did a, uh, a survey one time when I was in Colorado. I was a youth pastor in Colorado. Aaron, my heart goes out to you. I know, I know how it is, buddy. I, I, know. I know what it's like not to sleep for a week. I know what it's like. And, uh, but we did a survey, and I was asked to call the other preachers in town in Pueblo, Colorado, 1972 or three. And I called and I identified myself. I'm Jim Bays. I'm a youth pastor over at Park Hill Baptist Church. I wanted to ask you a question if you got a minute. Yeah, I've got a minute. Uh, what do you tell people who say, how do you get to heaven? I'm asking preachers this. What do you tell people who say, who ask you, how do I get to heaven? And I had answers like, well, oh, boy, well, that's a, boy, that's a tough one. That's a... <laughs> I had one guy who got mad at me for asking the question. He was the other Baptist preacher in town. He, he was mad at me for asking the question like I'm setting him up for something, uh, which I kind of was, but uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, I, I mean, I, I did not have, he could have probably given me the right answer, but he, he, he refused to. Uh, he was just ticked that I called him and asked that question. But the other so-called pastors, ministers, reverends, priests, couldn't tell me in a succinct, accurate, biblical way how to get to heaven. So Paul wrote the, this whole book. We have this in our society. We have this idea that life is on a big balance scale. All of our good things go on one side. All of our bad things go on the other side. Whichever one wins out, clunk. When we, when we die, that's where we go forever. Is heaven or hell? Couldn't be further from the truth, folks. Because the truth of the matter is you and I deserve hell, period. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the I don't care if you're the preacher. I don't care if you I don't care who you are. There's there's none that doeth good. No, not one. So so he 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 tells us that there's an application here for many of us because our religions have been so very based on works and legalism. Uh, so we're told, uh, well, how do you get to have, well, you get baptized. Or you say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. I was, I was sprinkled at the hospital or whatever, and so uh, that's, that's how I, I'm, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. Uh, go through confirmation. Well, I've been to confirmation. I was confirmed. I was sprinkled and immersed, so I got it covered. I got all my bases covered. Um, but I, I went through a, a, a confirmation class and um, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can go through confirmation class and still be as lost when you get out of it as you were when you went in it. Well, you can join a church. If I, I, I'm going to heaven because I'm a member of First Baptist Church in Nogales, uh, Arizona, or First Baptist Church in Coronado, California, or whatever name the church. You don't get to heaven by joining a church, putting your name on a church roll. Well, you give a pledge. If you're, if you're giving 
or if you help people, or if you're nice people, if you help little old ladies across the street uh, when they, you know, well, there's a lot of traffic, then you'll go to heaven. If you have confession, if you go to last rites, none of that. Every bit of that is legalism. Every single bit of that. We are saved by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing. Jesus is our Savior. So to become free, to become really free, you've got to abandon the old, incompatible, ineffectual legalism and embrace the free grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready to do that? Have you done that? Jesus is the salvation. He is the new way. He is the only way. He is the eternal way. First things first, right? You may fast twice a week and praise the Lord if that's what God's leading you to do. But you know what? Until you're born again, until you've got that new heart within you, until Jesus resides within you through the person of the Holy Spirit of God, you're lost. So receive Christ as your personal Savior. Then when God prompts you to fast because of sorrow, because of illness, because of trying to get God's attention and humbling ourselves, then it can become effectual. And by the way, when you do fast, Jesus said, don't, don't, go, don't go around look. oh, oh, what's the matter, preacher? Oh, I'm fasting. I haven't had anything since 8 o'clock this morning. It's almost time for lunch. Preacher, preacher just keeps going on and on. I don't know when he's going to quit. He says, comb your hair, wash your face. I think it says apply makeup, ladies, or something like that, oil or I don't know what. Don't appear unto people to be fasting. It's between you and God. It should be. So if you're going to fast, and it is a biblical discipline, and it is something that's for today because the bridegroom has been taken or been pulled away for a while. So if you do fast, do it the biblical way. Will we fast for remorse, for mourning, for spiritual discipline? So I, I'll challenge you. If, if God would lead you, not because Jim, Jim Bays is saying it, not because the preacher is saying it today and preach this message, but if God leads you to fast, try skipping a meal and spending time praying for that. If your lunch hours, half hour or something, pray for that half hour. If something comes up and you really want to get a hold of God, maybe you, maybe you fast today. Maybe you just fast from solid food. Whatever God leads you to do. But the point is that Jesus is the reason for fasting or for feasting, depending on if you know him or you don't, or you're trying to get answers or you're not. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed. I want to ask you a couple of questions. No one except the praise team moving around, please. But if you're here this morning and you're not certain, you're not sure, you're not sure if you died today that you'd be in heaven tonight. Everyone's got their heads bowed. Everyone's got their eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I promise you I won't. But if you're here this morning and you'll be honest with me and say, preacher, I'm not sure if I died right now that I'd be in heaven tonight. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Would you lift your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? Hold it up real high. Just real high for just a moment. God bless you. Keep it up for just a moment. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? 
Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now, Father, for these folks who raise their hands, as far as I know, I don't know who they are, and, and they're, they're raising their hands is between them and you. And so, Father, I thank you for the courage you've given them to do that. But I pray now that you give them the desire to make sure that heaven is their home, whether they pass away today or whether it's a year from now or whether it's 50 years from now. That's the main thing, God. And if they never come back to First Baptist Church, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is to, to die without Jesus Christ as their Savior. So for these who are not certain that if they die today, they'd be in heaven tonight. If your interest is to receive Christ as your Savior, I want you to pray. You don't have to pray out loud. You can. It won't bother me. But you don't have to pray out loud. You can pray. God knows what's in your heart. But ask him. Pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. And the fact of life is that one of these days I will pass away. I will die. I don't know that I'll be in heaven. So, Lord, I want you to be my Savior, my God. I believe Jesus is your son. Just tell him that. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again on the third day. And Lord, God, if you'll help me, I want to believe in him right now. I want to put all my faith and trust, not in my church membership, not in my baptism, not in my works. I want to trust Jesus and him alone. Jesus, please save me. Give me everlasting life. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed for just another moment. If you just prayed that prayer, wherever you are, raise your hand up real high. Hold it up for just a moment. You just prayed that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others besides these? Thank you. Put your hands down. Any others besides these? Any else? Father, thank you. Thank you for these, Lord, who were not ashamed. We're not afraid to cry out to you, to tell you they need you. Lord, change their lives completely from this day forward. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. The back by the sound booth. Yuli, would you pick up one of those blue bags, please? Okay. And Julie, do we have more of those? I'll tell you what. The blue bags are right there. Everybody see Yuli's got that blue bag. They're on that table. You pick that up. No questions asked. Nobody's going to tackle you before you get to the back door. Take it with you. There's a booklet in there because I'm saved. You're kind of your next steps, what you need to do. By the way, that's also available on the rack by Julie's office uh, in Spanish now. If you have some Spanish friends who need to know what their next step is, go ahead and pick up one of those. But you who raised your hands in particular, you who prayed that prayer. If you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer, pick up one of those take it with you. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going we're to stand together. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to give an invitation. If God is leading you to let other people know that you've made this momentous, eternal life-changing decision, or if you want to come say, I want to be baptized in the earliest opportunity, or I want to join the church, or whatever it is God's leading you to do, people between you and the aisle, they'll gladly step out. If you want to come forward, come right now. I will be here to pray with you. Uh, and uh, also, Rachel, for the ladies in the back, I think my wife's helping with the baptism right now. So uh, as we sing, just a couple of verses. Come ahead right now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Amazing grace, how sweet.
If there's anybody else that wants to be baptized, come on down. Uh, if you don't have a change of clothing, you'll get wet. But hey, you know, that's the way it goes. this morning my brother Joe Zalek and so Joe would you uh, tell people why you're getting baptized because I tried to do it my way <laughs> I didn't do it his way I tried you know back in 1980 and I just made a bunch of wrong decisions and I'm sorry and I'm hoping that God can give me another chance so I'm going to try it again, but I'm going to do it his way. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, Joe. Have you, have you prayed? Are you certain you've prayed and you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to be a Savior? Mm -hmm. All right, then you trust him, and, and that is God's way, and that's the right way, and everything will work out. Can be seated. Joe, because you've put your faith and your trust and your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in yourself, not in your works, not in the baptismal pool, not in church membership, but you put your trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. There you go, my friend. God bless you. There you go. Oh, God, he was tall. I thought I was going to hit his head on the. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. We need, a, we need a baptistry stretcher for some of you guys here. Chris, I, I, I don't know if I can baptize you in here. I have to, you'd have to fold up like a pocket knife. <laughs> I don't want to go home. I want to stay here for a little while. Man. All right. We're going to have, I think the youth are having their. Um, their meal, their lunch outside. No military meal today. Sorry, guys and gals, but uh, next week we'll be back on schedule with that. Uh, so thank you all for being here. Let's stand, be dismissed in order of prayer. And Rachel and Gary, go out in the front. People say hi to you as they, as they leave. So.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. What an amazing day this has been. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the Gorkins as they travel to their new home. And Lord, just it's temporary. All of our homes are temporary. Our eternal homes with you, and we thank you for that. God bless our students from Nagaus. God bless the students from Basque Country. God bless everybody here and those watching by way of, of the, the, the internet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Be friendly to people on the way out, okay? Thank you for being in God's house today. Ooh.